You know, I have a word I want to minister tonight. And and it's entitled, Learning to Flow with Change. Learning to Flow with Change. And um, this message is for every single one of us. Because you're either... You're either in the middle of a change, or you're headed towards a change, or there's a change in the future. You know, I, there, was a, there was a quote that someone said, if you don't like change, how does irrelevant sound? <laughs> if you don't like change, how does irrelevant sound? And, and so, so the thing is, is, is you can... You can uh, um, you can say I and I can be decreeing the word. I can say that I'm uh, God's taking me somewhere. I can s- declare um, all the things that God wants to do and desires to do in my life, and and say there's a promised land that's available for me. There's a promised land out in front of me, and say that promised land. Just for il- sake of illustration, say that promised land is Atlanta, Georgia. But yet, if I keep going west on Interstate 20. You will never hit Atlanta, Georgia. As much as you pray, as much as you declare, as much as you speak, as much as you prophesy, as much as you pray in tongues, as much as you scream, how much you're going into your promised land. If you're still heading west 10 years from now on Interstate 20, you will never hit Atlanta, Georgia. And there's a lot of people that are wanting to step into their promised land, but the thing is, is they're not they're they're not embracing change in order for that to happen. And we can talk about promised lands, we can talk about promised lands being promotions, we can talk it about being deliverance, we can talk about being freedom, we can talk about it being our calling, our ministry, um, relationship, whatever it is, we can, we can put a label on it, but the bottom line is we have to learn how to flow with change. Because if I want to go where God wants me to go, there's some adjustments that I'm going to have to make in my life in order for me to get there. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 78. And you can also turn to Isaiah 43. Psalm 78 and Isaiah 43. Now, I learned that there was things that God wanted to do in my life. And God wasn't the one delaying things. God wasn't the one hindering things. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't about me waiting on God. It was about God waiting on me. You know, there was a promised land for the children of Israel to walk in. There were there, there was a place set aside for them, something that God had made available to them, something so much so where Moses said he sent out he sent out the spies and he said, I want you to go out and I want you to see the land that God has given us. You know what? He never asked to come back and give us a report if we can take the land or not. 
Not one time did God say, I want you to, I want Moses, not one time did Moses say, hey, now I want you, you 12 guys to get together and I want you to go see the land and I want you to come back and I want you to tell us if we can take it or not. That was not the assignment. The assignment is, I want you to go see it and see if it's exactly what God says it is. But yet, it wasn't God, it wasn't God keeping them from their promised land. It was their unbelief keeping them from their promised land. It was their actions keeping them from their promised land. It was, it was the, it was the desire to go back to Egypt. It was the, it was the garlics and the leeks that, that were like, hey, at least we had that over there. It was, it was these other things that were keeping them from the promised land. And, and I remember God moving in my life as a 17 year old uh, teenager. 17 years of age, God was moving in Justin's life. But yet Justin wasn't moving with God. It took me three years. I wouldn't have had to go through the sicknesses that I had experienced. I wouldn't have had to go through a lot of, a uh, lot of upsetting things. It was, if I told you some of the things that, you know, there's things that you do as, as an unbeliever that you, you're like, Lord, you, you are, come on, you know, if, if you, if you show up right now, then I will serve you all the days of my life. If you, if you show up, there's, I mean, I could tell you stories between that three year of 17 to about 20 years of age that there was times that I'm like, Lord, <laughs> I hope my mom doesn't find out. <laughs> it was, there was a lot of things that could have totally changed the whole trajectory of my life. Th- thank the Lord for a praying mother. But yet, God wasn't, God wasn't responsible for me experiencing all the negative circumstances, the fear, the emotional torment, and all the different things, the physical situations. I was, God wasn't responsible in those things. All the while, he's, he's saying, Justin, I spoke to you through a prophet when you were 17 years of age. But yet, you've yet to surrender. I, I, why, what was going on? I, I didn't know how to flow with change. I was worried about my, my, my losing my friends. I was worried about my identity. I was worried about, well, well, what, but, but what if it, what if I don't have fun as a Christian? Isn't that, I mean, isn't that, I remember, you know, growing up Church of God and, you know, if you, if you grew up Church of God, you know, every Church of God would show this video, I think every year and, and it, it was called the thief in the night. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like, I mean, that will scare you as a 12 year old. And I remember a friend of mine, his name was Jason, and, and we, would, we would sit out on, our, on his back porch and we'd look up at the stars and we're like, I hope Jesus doesn't come back until I get married. Right. You know, I'm thinking all these things, you know, it's like all these things, I'm trying to put God in this box of my life and, and all the while he's just saying, hey, just give your life to me. Right. And, and, and so it was, I was the limit, limiting factor in my life, just like the children of Israel were the limiting factor in God's plan for their life, their life. It says in Psalm 78, actually verse 22 says, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. 
There's a lot here in, in, in these verses. But if you go over to verse uh, 40, it says, How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy. When he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zoan. Now think about this here. Here he's wanting to take them into a promised land. But they didn't know how to handle change. And God was not limiting them. They were limiting him. They were limiting him. Just like I was limiting God working in my life. I'll get to that in a minute. Let's go to go go to Psalms forty three. Something just came up in my heart, but I think I'll to communicate in a little bit. Psalms forty three. So often we want change without change. Let me make that statement again. So often we want change without change. It's, it's this, this desire, it's, like for a better t- term, it's almost like a pipe dream. <laughs> it's like this dream, but yet, it's just like, I just, I want that without doing what it takes to get that. And, and this is, and, and I, I sense in my heart that there's people in our church family, those watching by way of internet, that we are all in the midst of a transition. And what I, what I want to call it is, is, and I'm saying that it's a, it's necessarily a physical location transition, but I'm sensing in my spirit, it is a spiritual transition. There's a, there's a spiritual promotion that is, is, is coming to the body of Christ as we make the changes that we need to make. There's a spiritual transition. There is something that's happening. We're going to another level. In Isaiah 43. Look at, I'm sorry, Isaiah 43. What did I say? So I'm sorry, Isaiah 43. Thank you. Glad you're back from my, uh, from Australia there. <laughs> Verse 14 says, "Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans, who rejoice in their ships." Verse 15 says, "I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. I'm the Creator." I'm going to say this statement a, a couple more times, but, but when it says, I am the creator of Israel, he's the author of, he's the originator of. The point I, I want to establish right here at the beginning is, is the most important thing. The most important thing is the will of God being accomplished in your life. You may say, you may put labels on it like it's, it's, it's business, it's, it's family, it's relationships, it's ministry, it's all that. But, but no, the, 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 the foundation of the revelation I want you to receive here at the beginning is the primary most important thing in your life is the will of God to be accomplished. 
Now, that may have to do with business. That may have to do with ministry. That may have to do with relationships, whatever it is. But the bottom line that you need to establish, we need to establish in our hearts if we're going to fulfill uh, his mandate on our lives is realizing and settling the most important thing is the will of God to be accomplished in and through my life. When I approach a service, whether it's a Sunday, a Wednesday, uh, whatever it might be, I always go into it and asking the Lord, Lord, the most important thing is that your will is accomplished in this service. Not Justin's will, not other people's will, your will, Lord, to be accomplished in this service, in this time frame that we've set aside to meet with him, the most important thing is his will to be accomplished. There is a will, meaning there's an assignment on every service. There's a purpose on every service. Verse 16 says, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot, the horse, the army, and the power, they shall lie down together and shall not rise. They're extinguished. They are quickened, quenched, sorry, like a wick. So who is he referring to? He's talking about the Egyptians being drowned in the sea. Verse 18, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. I'll do a new thing. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. It's not, it's not that you don't champion or rehearse what God has done. Just like in Jeremiah's day, he goes, he goes pretty much he was saying, stop, stop talking about what God did yesterday. What is God doing right now? Things in Jeremiah 23. And, and so here he says, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. If you're constantly looking at yesterday, you'll never, you'll never reach tomorrow. If you're, if you're constantly focusing on yesterday, you will, you will not make the necessary changes to get to tomorrow. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, behold, pay attention to, focus on, understand this. I will do a new thing. Let's even look at the verse like that, where he says, behold, I will do a new thing. His, his will is to do a new thing. God's will is to do a new thing. His will is to do a new thing in your life. Behold, I will, I will speaks of desire. I will speaks of love. I will speaks of care. I will speaks of delight. I will. God's saying, I desire to do a new thing in your life. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In the Amplified, uh, I believe it says, shall you not perceive it? Shall you not perceive it? To perceive something is to attain with your mind, attain with your thinking. 
attain with my thinking. Do you not perceive it? Will you not give heed to it? To give heed to something is to commit yourself to it. So here, the Isaiah is saying, I want you to, to behold a new thing and I want you to see it. I want you to perceive it. I want you to attain it. I want you to give heed to it. Meaning, I want you to commit yourself to this new thing. I about you, but I want to commit myself to the new thing that God wants to do. Amen. How about you? Amen. And so sometimes when we can't see how it's going to turn out, we have a hard time taking a step. See, this journey is going to be a journey of faith. To accomplish the will of God for your life, it's going to be a journey of faith. The word of God says in Hebrews chapter 6, it says that we we are followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise, inherited your promised land, so to speak. It's going to require faith and patience to obtain your promised land. I'm going somewhere here. Shall you not, now it it springs forth. The the new thing isn't isn't for tomorrow. The new thing is now. Don't put off new things. Don't put off change for tomorrow. Embrace change now. Commit yourself to change now. Commit yourself to the will of God now. And one of the biggest things that I, I always had challenged when it came to change was trying to figure out. How it was going to happen. And I love in the Isaiah here as he says this. He goes I will even make a road in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. I'll make a road in the wilderness. You know there's you know when we talk about a wilderness. I, when, when I was praying over this and, and thinking about it. I was thinking more of like a really more like a rainforest. A rainforest, there's no pathways through. It's like you can't, <clears throat> it, all it is is jungle. And, and, and you just see that, you, you, you would see that the movies, the old Tarzan movies, and they're, they're going through this wilderness. Why? Because there's not a pathway. They're creating the pathway. No one else has been there before. And yet they have the machete and they're going through and they're creating a road in the midst where there is no road. <clears throat> So you need to understand that that is not up to you to figure out the end result. It's not up to you to figure out how you're going to get there. It's up to you to realize that God is going to make a road where there isn't usually a road. God's going to create a pathway when there usually isn't a pathway. And, and, And then he says this. He goes, I'll make rivers in the desert. There, there's not a whole lot of water in the desert. There's not a whole lot of, of places where there's water in the desert. But yet it says that, that, yeah, you may not understand it. You might not know what it looks like. But understand, God can create something out of nothing. God can make a river in the desert. You might feel like you're in a desert right now. You may feel like you're, that, you're, that you're in a wilderness right now. But I want you to know that you just need to hold on, trusting God, and believe that He has the ability to make a path where you can't see a path. He has the ability to bring the river in the midst of your dry place. But if, you're, if you are too consumed with, with the way things look, you'll never make the changes that is required to get to the promised land. Go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 11. 
When it comes to God and his plan, we need to be willing to change when he says change. When it comes to fulfilling God's plan, we need to move when he says move. When it comes to God's plan, we need to be willing to go when he says go. And stay when he says stay. I mean, think about Abraham for a moment. Abraham, his father was a moon worshiper. (laughs) And this Elohim, this God of the universe, shows up to Abraham and says, go to a land that I'll show you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be blessed to be a blessing. Verse 4 of that of, of Genesis 12 says, and Abraham left. See, a lot of times we, we want the, you make my name great, God. A lot of times we want the, the blessing. A lot of times we want the, hey, you know, we, we, we want, we, uh, make, make me famous, Lord. But yet we don't change. The promise wasn't wasn't just to Abraham. Hey, Abraham, everything's going to be good. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to prosper you whether you stay here or not. No, the issue was go to a land that I'll show you in order for that to happen. He's going to have to trust God in order for that to happen. He's going to have to leave. I remember when when I when the Lord first spoke to me in January of 1999 and he said and the presence of God came on me, put me to the ground and said that, Justin, you're going to be in Texas for the majority of the rest of your life. I got up from that moment. I got up from that encounter with God. And my first question was, how is that going to happen? Because all of a sudden now I'm like, I, I have a great job. All my friends and family are in Maryland. The church that has really changed my life is in Maryland. Had a great house, had, had almost a couple acres of land. And, 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 and so I'm thinking of all these things that, like, how can, no, no one, no one in my family has left Maryland. No one in my family, none of them have been in ministry. And so my mind was like, it's like, how can this be? But yet inside me, I knew it was, I was in a season of transition because, because what I had loved to do for the last five years, all of a sudden there was this, this uneasiness. I call it a divine dissatisfaction. There was this, there was this, there was, it was like almost lack of, it was like a grace was lifting for what I was doing. Cause I, I mean, I'm a happy guy. I, 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 I love what I do no matter what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to have a great time doing it. And so, so it's like I love my clients. I had the same clients for five years. 250 clients every week for five years. I had great relationships with my clients. And, and all of a sudden now the Lord is saying, I want you to leave Maryland and I want you to go to Bible school. Then, so then I got past the, 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 the idea of, okay, all right. Then it was like, well, how this is going to happen? I've got all this credit card debt. I've got, I had, I had $28,000 of credit card debt. I had a mortgage and I had a, and I had a, a car payment. Twenty-five years old. Making decent money, but still broke. 
A lot of debt. Didn't have a lot of revelation about finances at that time. So it's like, Lord, what, how can, how can, but God, you're wanting me to transition. So all these things from, from, from first my, myself and just get wrapping my head around change to how is it going to happen? And there's a lot of testimonies in that. I don't know if we'll get into that. But the point was I had to settle it in my heart that this was the will of God. I don't know how it's going to happen, Lord, but you're going to make a road in the wilderness and you're going to make rivers in the desert. Yeah, I'll go there. I, I remember, I remember when I went to a meeting and, and, um, and, and I sowed a, I sowed a seed. I, I sowed a significant seed. And that, at that time, and, and I, I, cause I knew I, I, there was no way that I could go to Bible school and, and without being out of debt. There was just no way that it was going to happen. And, um, and so there was things, there was some steps that I had to take. There was some steps of sometimes in order to get to your promised land, there's some things you have to sacrifice. There's things you have to sacrifice. So, so I just sit back and not say, just wait for some sort of money tree to fall out of heaven and say, hey, you're, I'm going to be out of debt. And, but there was some things I had to do. There was some things, there was some steps. Lord, give me wisdom on what my part is. So one of the things he told me was, he said, he goes, and I had a, I had a brand new car at the time, six months old, brand new car. It was six months old. And the Lord said, you need to get rid of the car. I'm like, get rid of the car. But God, I like this car. It was my first brand new car I was ever in debt over. And the Lord said, you need to, you need to get rid of the car. Well, what am I going to do for another car? He goes, I'll tell you. I went from driving a brand new car to a car that was like 13 years old. I had, I had to make a, there was some, th- there's some adjustments I had to make. And then, then it was, then it was sell this, get rid of that. Stop doing this. Stop going out to eat. Stop doing these things. And there was adjustments that I had to make and seeds that I sowed along the way. And so long story short, nine months later, I was out of debt. And I found, and then someone rented my house for the first two years I was in Bible school. But the thing was, it wasn't like, it was, it was, is I had, there was things had to change in me. I had to change in me in order to take this next step. There was transition, but it was like, Lord, how do I get there? First, I have to understand his will is the most important thing in my life. Jeremiah 29, I think I went backwards a little bit, but let's see, let's look at this. Verse 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I, that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. There's a future and a hope for you. No matter where you are right now, there's a future and a hope. The enemy, the enemy doesn't sign off on your destiny. My God has a future and a hope for me. There's a future and a hope that he has for me this time next year. 
There's a future and a hope that he has for me by the end of this year. There's a future and a hope that he has for me 10 years from now. There's a future and a hope that he has for my marriage. There's a future and a hope that he has for my children. There's a future and a hope that he has. So, so never lose the, the fact of understanding that there is a future and a hope on the other side of right where I am. Verse 12 says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Thank you, Father. See, the, the, another, the, the second key. Thank you, Father. First is to establish then the most important thing is the will of God. The second is understanding my dependence on God. All of us, as we step into this season, we step into a new year, and we're all somehow in the midst of a spiritual transition, the most important thing is my dependence upon God. So this whole aspect that, yeah, God has thoughts and plans for you, and I can we can we can talk about that for for I can talk about that for three weeks. I mean, I taught on taught on this scripture for hours for my first couple of years of pastoring. This scripture really changed my life when I understood everything that was happening in this whole story that God was dealing with the children of Israel being in bondage to the Babylonians. And here he say he goes. So the issue is, yes, God has thoughts and plans for me. But the issue, how do I draw that out? How do I embrace the future and the plans? How how do I get a hold of his thoughts for me? How do I get a, get a hold of what he his understanding that it has for me? How do I get to the fact of of the the, the new thing he has for me? And, and I perceive it and I give heed to it. It's right here. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. Now listen to this. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Don't be so quick to make a decision, but yet be quick to seek him. Don't make decisions. Don't make decisions to remove pressure. Now, you can make decisions under pressure, but don't make decisions to remove pressure just to throw a dart and hopefully this is the will of God. God loves you too much for you to miss it. But yet when you take that position of, of, yeah, God, I know you have thoughts for me. I know you have plans for me. I know you have a future and a hope for me. What is the answer is, is seek. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. Now listen. I will be found by you says the Lord. And what? I will bring you back. Meaning, meaning there's going to be a transition. There's going to be a tra- there's going to be a transition that as you do this seeking, he is going to bring you somewhere. This is a key of learning how to flow with change. One, establishing that his will is the most important thing. And secondly, understanding, seeking his will, seeking his purpose for my life. For too long in my life, I was more concerned with Justin's will instead of God's will. 
Change is hard because in the natural it may not make sense to our mind. Thank you, Father. Seeking Him is the most important thing. Anyone in Scripture that did something great for God had to learn how to flow with change. Abraham had to leave home and go to a particular place. And I think sometimes when we look at the Bible stories, we look at the we look at perfect people, even though we saw they did imperfect things. But we don't understand the weightiness of their decisions at the moment. Think of Peter and James and John, Andrew. They're on the seashore, fishermen, and this strange man comes up to them that they've heard speak and they saw fish multiply in the nets. And he comes up to them, Deborah, and says, follow me. And it said they left everything to follow him. Imagine the weightiness of that decision. So we, we, we read it as, as a story. But but it, the, the, the task that you are putting your entire future on the line by leaving your familiar behind. Man, the weightiness of that. But yet in order to flow with change, it's going to require you to follow him. I think Matthew, the tax collector, all of a sudden here's a man of wealth. It could be a man of nobility or whatever the case is. Yes, we know he's hated by Jews and he's hated by the Romans. But at the same time, he's leaving everything. In order to flow with change, you have to be willing to surrender. That's the key. Surrender. You want to see success in in any area of your life? Surrender your will. You want to see your marriage go to another level? Surrender your will. This is coming out a little deeper than I was expecting. (laughs) Praying over this. But I I believe there's some some spiritual deposits being made. Because all of us are in a transition. It's a spiritual transition. To go to another level. But yet not everyone that we read in the, in the gospel story did they heed the instructions. Not, only, not everyone did they make the choice to transition. They didn't make the changes. For instance, the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus, called him master, called him rabbi. And the Lord told me this, I was praying over this years back. And he said, Justin, he came to me and he called me master. But he walked away because I wasn't Lord. So we can, we can come to the church house. We can come to our, our, our prayer time and we can say, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I desire you. God, I want you. And yet he's saying, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, whoa. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do that. And it said he walked away sorrowful because he had many things. It's not, it's not, I'm not trying to bring any condemnation to anyone tonight. The, the issue what I believe the Spirit of God is depositing is being ready for t- spiritual transition. Because as we transition spiritually, we're going to see promotion. 
Spiritual transition always brings about a spiritual promotion. Learning to flow with change can be hard on our flesh because it requires sacrifice. Thank you, Father. Change was dependent on following the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to um, Exodus 40. Thank you, Father. Lord, do you want me to go here? Mm. Now go to Joshua 3. Joshua 3. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for promotion in this house. I thank you for increase in this house. Father, I thank you that every every child, every every young person, every adult, family, marriage, single person are going to another level in their life. Hallelujah. I thank you that their greatest days are ahead of them, not behind them. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that you're look, you look throughout the whole earth looking for someone's heart that is turned towards you. I thank you, Lord, that our heart will be turned towards you in this season. And I thank you that we will see glorious things. We will see glorious things. Hallelujah. Marvelous things. Wonderful things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Before I read this, one of the scriptures I had down in Exodus 40, it, it, it talks about how the children of Israel would go from place to place to place. You can also pick up the same story in Numbers chapter 9. And Numbers chapter 9 gives, gives a little more insight into kind of their thought process because it said they moved with God. God didn't move with them. This is, this is, this is about following. And this is, this is, this is, this is, this, this, this is something that I want you to hold on to is, is the children of Israel moved with God. God didn't move with the children of Israel. What did they do? Well, in the, in what they did is they had a tent and, and they had, they had a whole group. They had a whole group of this one part of the family that all they did were in charge of the tent pegs. They were the masters of the tent pegs. Why, why, why tent pegs? Because they had, the place had to be secure, but yet it could move like that. Exodus 40 and Numbers chapter, it said, it said sometimes they, they would be at a place for one day. Sometimes they could be at a place for three weeks. Sometimes they would be at a place for a month. And if you go into Numbers and it says, and there'd be sometimes they would be in one place for a year. But yet it was with tent pegs so they could, they could, they could be secure, but at the same time they could, they could leave. When the, when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud moved, they moved. So that's what we have to, why, why us seeking God is so important is, is that we move with him and not expecting God to move with us. And in here in, in, in Joshua chapter three, you know, this is right for them to go into the promised land. I started this with them going into the promised land, but they limited God. But here in Joshua chapter three, and this is one of my favorite stories. Without telling the whole thing. Verse 3 says, And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, which represented God's presence, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, 
about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. So 2,000 times 18 inches. Whatever, if you're a math, math genius, uh, a cubit is 18 inches. So, so 2,000 times 18 inches. That's how, that's how far they wanted the children of Israel to stand back from the ark. And, and I love here, he says, he says, do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not p- passed this way before. You haven't passed this way before. You haven't passed this way before. Meaning you're in a transition, Joshua. The children of Israel are in a transition. They had to learn to flow with change. So now it was going from following the cloud in, in, in the tent to now, all of a sudden now, when you follow this. Keep it in front of you because you haven't been this way before. And, and that's, and that's what I, I, I just really strongly feel in my spirit that, that there is a, there is a, a there is a, a transition, a spiritual transition for the body of Christ. I'm, I'm speaking prophetically tonight. There's a, there's a transition in the body of Christ and there's a, there's this thing. And, and some people you've already made transition changes and God's moving you and has God's, God has already separated you out of certain things, separated you from some relationships, moved you into a new church done different things and all of a sudden you're not sure what, what's next. It, 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 it is a spiritual transition. And, and what he's saying tonight is, is keep your eyes on me. You haven't been this way before. You haven't been this way before. You haven't been this way before. Change begins with quality time with God. Quality time with God produces the transitions in your life. Now we don't follow a tent and a cloud, we don't follow an ark, but we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the very one that created the heavens and the earth. Second Corinthians 4 says, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That the excellency and the power of God may be, may be of him and not of us. We have this excellency. If you read the verse before that, he talks about, in talking about light shined out of darkness. What's he talking about? Genesis chapter 1. Let light be. Light be. And we have that same power living on the inside of us. Go to John 16. John 16. Do you have time for three more scriptures? John 16. Thank you, Father. I'm looking forward to Sunday morning. Dr. Savell will minister his prophetic word. Hallelujah for 2023. Hallelujah. John 16, verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you into all truth. That means we have the Holy Ghost. He's a guide. So what does a guide do? A guide, guide is, this guide is going to take you through this transition. This guide is going to direct you in this transition that we're in the middle of. He's going to guide us into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. 
he will speak. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever Jesus tells him, the Holy Ghost tells you. But are you in a position to hear? And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will not take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Meaning we have the Holy Ghost and he's going to the father gave everything to Jesus. Now, Jesus said is now he's going to declare it to us. Wow. You have everything you need for this next season you're stepping into. Right now, you can't see it. Right now, you may, it, it may be foreign to you. Right now, you're, you might be saying, saying, Pastor, I have no clue what you're talking about tonight. But you will. You will. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit that dwells in you. The Spirit. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many, let's this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Hallelujah. You are a son of God. You are a son of God. And because you're a son of God, you're led by the spirit of God. Hallelujah. You have the spirit of God. Hallelujah. To cause you to walk in the new things. Behold, I do a new thing. You can walk in the new thing. You can heed it. You can see it. Why? Because we have the Holy Ghost. You're a son of God, a daughter of God. And because of that, you're led by the Spirit of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer him, therefore we may also be glorified together. I want you to see, we have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. Thank you, Father. So number one, for spiritual to learning to flow with change, realize that God's will is the most important thing. Secondly, be dependent upon God. Thirdly, realize we have the Spirit of God that can direct us into our new thing. 
And without going in detail, maybe I'll, I'll cover this in another time. And number four is, once you hear, once the Spirit of God is directing you, be quick to obey. Be quick to obey. Be quick to obey. When you follow these guidelines for transition and change, it will lead you into your promised land. So lastly, I'll just say those things again. Number one, the will of God is the most important thing. Number two, be dependent upon God. Understand you have the Holy Spirit that will lead you, direct you, and guide you. And the last thing, be quick to obey. Thank you. Father, I thank you that you're preparing us for new things. You're preparing us for promised lands. You're preparing us for new levels. You're preparing us for our future. I thank you, Father, for just the beginning, just this message to resonate, for this message to burn. Thank you, Father, that, that just this tonight and in just the time that we've had together, Lord, that, that if anything, Lord, that they would be God-conscious and have an expectancy for new things, new levels. In Jesus' name, amen. You receive that tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you. Just stand to your feet for a moment. I just want to be... You pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Hallelujah. Just sense the Spirit of the Lord wants to do something. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. He's the mender of the broken heart. Mm. I know this might be a, a stretch or it's not to embarrass anyone, but when you say, Pastor Justin, I, I have a I have a broken heart. My heart's broken. It's like all my it's almost like my dreams are broken. And I, I don't I, I don't know if I could see a new thing even if It's hard for me to perceive because I just, my, I feel like I'm just, just floating through life. I feel like I'm just, just questioning everything around me. I'm just, and if that's you, just, I just want you to come forward. The Bible says he heals the brokenhearted. And this doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship brokenhearted. It's just something is, there's just been discouragement that has just weighed upon you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah.
There's some more people. Oh, thank you, Father. Yeah, this is this is about encouragement. It's not about this. This is about the Lord wanting to encourage you. Discouragement can be a a spiritual force. That the enemy uses, one, to make you feel like you're not worthy. Maybe to make you feel that maybe I have a right to feel this way. Can you minister to that, Dustin? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Nikki, can you minister to this lady over here? Deborah, can you minister to Rebecca? Thou art, Lord, art a shield about us, and you're the lifter of our head. The amazing thing about what God does is when we think of mending, we think of repairing something that's broken. But I think I like what David cried out for more than anything else was. He said, create in me. He said a new, a new heart. He, he wanted something else that, he wanted a heart that never, never, really something brand new. Lord, I thank you that you, right now, Lord, you have the ability to make something brand new. Oh, Father, I just thank you for refreshing. Oh, Lord, Father, just, Lord, that they know your love, Lord. Just, oh, just no more sad, no more, no more feeling alone, no more, Lord, just, oh, thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Marty, can you minister to Chelsea and Jenny? Can you come here for a second? Oh, thank you, Father. You're faithful. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Father, I just wrap my arms around Rachel, Father. 
Lord, you're a holy God. You are a holy God. But in that holiness, there's completeness. There's no defect in you, Father. Well, let your holiness come into this room right now. And make whole. we just take off the limitations of our thinking and our mind take our even our our thoughts of what a move of God looks like or what it is Lord just just that that you just have free reign in our lives in our church someone you have your right shoulder it's like it's like kind of like there's been like a burning in your right shoulder just come up here real quick oh jesus 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 hallelujah thank you jesus oh bomb of gilead oil 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 it's fresh oil presence of the Lord tonight. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us tonight. Thank you, Lord. As we lay our head down tonight, I thank you that we hear your voice. Thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise if you see that.